All right, so Treasures of the Transformed Life. We're beginning, it, it's a series, but it's more than a series. This is actually, um, a, we've been building to this point, so we talked a lot about metamorphy. You remember metamorphy? When I first got here, the first couple of sermons that I gave, metamorphy and metamorphy too. What's metamorphy? Change, transformation. And so we've been talking about transformation, and now we're going to, to go through, in the United Methodist Church, we have vows that we take when we join a church. We, 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 those vows include that we're going to worship God with our prayers, and we commit our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness to the work of God in the church and the congregation where we are, in our personal lives and in the church. And so that's what this series is. See, we talk about that a lot, so we're going to spend time in each of those areas. And next week, we're going to have a testimony. And in a couple of weeks, Jesse Fisher's going to do, a, a, for presents, Jesse Fisher's going to do a dance for, a praise dance for us uh, to I Can Only Imagine, which is going to be, I can only imagine what that's going to be like. Um, people are, Noah Mulvey today, using his, his gifts and talents in, in a dramatic presentation. Those are the things that, that God is doing here, and that's what we're going to, we're going to begin to expand what we've been talking about, to, to look for transformation. So we're going to spend the next 40 days. There are books in the back. You're going to find some small group guides. You know, the donation, I don't care. Take a book. If you don't have a book today, take a book with you to, and take one of those guides. Take them. They do not do me or us any good sitting on the back table. And this is a day, this is us as a congregation coming together, going, okay, God, we're going to do this. What are you going to do through this for me? What are you going to do through this for us as a congregation? And we're going to do this together. There's small groups that are going to be meeting, going through the, 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 the guide together as a group. And I will tell you that if you do this, if you are willing to take the time and to commit, that's a word you're going to hear a lot over the next few weeks, commit, then God is going to do something in your life. Because when we commit to grow in faith, we will grow in faith. It will happen. So if you don't have a book, there will be more coming in this week. If you don't get one today, if you're not one of the, there's only like five left. So if you're not one of the first ones back there, you know, you might be late. But you had your chance to already have it. There's small group signups as well. Uh, <laughs> Paul's got the idea. <laughs> See, exploring the kingdom of heaven, because that's kind of what we're doing. It, we're, we're, it's not kind of what we're doing. It is what we're doing. It's like the, there's a, a parable. There was a pearl of great value that the pearl, a pearl merchant discovered. And so it was so valuable that he went and he sold everything that he had, everything that he had, so that he could go buy that pearl. There's another parable about a guy who was working in a field and he found something of great value. So he went and sold what he had so that he could go buy that field. Did you know that we have something of value beyond value that is accessible to us through Jesus Christ? It is a pearl of great prices. It is a treasure in a field. And we have that available to us. And we can give, if we give everything that we have, our lives will never, ever be the same. So we're going to explore prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness in detail. Today we're going to talk about living water. This is the beginning of the, of, of the, the, the series. It's called priming, priming the Pump is what John Ed Matheson calls it. 
I know a little bit about that. I had an uncle, and in, in, I'm from California. I think some of you know that. Please don't hate me. Um, had an uncle who had a ranch. My, my dad thought he was a rancher because he, you know, we had all the animals. We just didn't have the land. Um, uh, but, but <laughs> yeah, I was one of those guys. Get up, milk the cows, slop the pigs, and feed the chickens, and all that. Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. But my uncle had hundreds of acres in Cuyama, California, and, and it was, you know, he had cattle. And so we would go up there periodically, and did you, there, you, as you can imagine, there's no running water anywhere on a, on a ranch of that size, so he had the windmill, the, the pump, and he had one of those that some of you remember the, the pump, you know, you know, and, and, and the water would come out miraculously. Uh, unless it got vapor locked. And then you had to prime the pump. Now some of y'all are vapor locked in your Christian journey. <laughs> so this series is intended to prime the pump. So that that water, that living water can flow through you and impact folks in the community. Some of y'all, the water is trickling out but there's more available. So the passage this morning is a familiar one to most of us. It's out of John chapter 4, and I'm not going to read it verbatim, but I'm going to, to read snippets of it. Uh, beginning at verse 1, it's the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, so Jesus left Judea and decided to go to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. That's an interesting statement because you know that's not true. He didn't have to go through Samaria. In fact, Jews wouldn't go through Samaria. So that means that when he says he had to go through Samaria, it wasn't about direction. He had to go through Samaria because he had a divine appointment with a woman at a well. So yes, he had to go through Samaria, but no, it wasn't like, you know, the only way to get to Galilee is through Samaria because that, w that was the wrong way if you were a Jew. So it's an interesting opening to this, right? Because it's, I had to, he had to go. And if you're not careful, you'll miss the scriptures like that. If you're not careful, that's why we study together so somebody can go, hey, you know what that is? Hey, you know, that's why we do small groups. That's why we come together and do small groups so that we can learn through the understanding of each other. So he had to go through Samaria, because he really did, because he had an appointment there. And he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. And there was a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son uh, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and so Jesus went down to the well. A Samaritan woman came up to the well and said, and Jesus looked at her and said, will you give me a drink? He'd already sent his disciples off after food. Now, Jews and Samaritans didn't associate. They, they didn't like each other. So for Jesus to say to the Samaritan woman at the well, anything was out of the norm. And so she responded, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because that's not the way that it's done. And Jesus gave an interesting answer. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, if you put, your, put yourself in the shoes of the Samaritan woman, now you're confused. Because dude doesn't even have a bucket. How's he going to give me water? This is a well. 
Wells, you got to get the bucket and throw the bucket down and pull the bucket up. And he's talking about giving me water. So she's confused. Sir, you don't have anything to draw water with. This well happens to be deep. So if you don't have anything to draw water with, there's no way you can give me any water. I mean, that, what's wrong with you? And so Jesus responds, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them becomes in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now she's intrigued. Okay, so sir, give me this water. I want this water. Just just give it to me. I don't want to keep coming back down here to draw this water. This is work. I don't want to do this anymore. So another response, well, go, go get your husband and come on back. I have no husband. Well, that's correct. You have no husband. But you had five husbands. But the guy that you're with right now that you're living with, he's, you're not married to him. Put yourselves back in those shoes of that Samaritan woman. Wow. How do he know that? First he's talking about drawing water without a bucket. And then he's talking about living water. Now he's telling me the truth about my life. He don't know me. And he's a Jew. Shouldn't he be talking to? Sir, I can see that you are a prophet of God. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. And then Jesus began what is for us transformative, a, tra- a transformative move in faith. I'm going to read this one to you. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and indeed has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman replied, I know the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And then she went to the town. She told people about Jesus, and through the power of her testimony, and just to give you a preview on what we're going to be doing in the coming year. We're going to begin by talking, uh, creating a a discipleship process that speaks to how do you use testimony, how do you respond when people ask you about your faith. When she went to the town, they followed her back to see who this Jesus was. The power of her testimony with the Spirit of God Spirit and truth, your testament. This is a woman who just met Jesus, didn't really know him, and, and he impacted her life. She went and she, what she did was she told the people in the town what had happened. Now we throw evangelism and all these fancy words at stuff. I like the power of your testimony. That's how we share our faith. That's how people come to know who Jesus is because they're going to see him in our life, in how we live. And when God does cool stuff in our life, we get to share that. That's the power 
of testimony. And it moved an entire town to come to get to know who Jesus was. See, we're all at different places in our journey. Every one of us in here is at a different place in our journey. Some of us think we're, we're good to go, that we're, our walk is just fine, that everything's going hunky-dory. Others of us think they have a long way to go, that, and I don't even know if I'm ever going to get past square one. We are where we are, every one of us. We all have much to learn. I serve on Walk to Emmaus a lot, and one of the prayers that we say at Walk to Emmaus is for the one, we pray for the one who needs this weekend the most and for the one who thinks they need this weekend the least. Because invariably, the ones who think they need this weekend the least are the ones who need this weekend the most. Spending time with God is powerful. God always has more in store for us as we grow in our faith, always has more in store for us in how to love God and love others. And where we are five weeks from now, as we go through the daily readings and uh, in Treasures of the Transformed Life, as we go through study, as we learn what it is that God has for each of us in our life and what God has for Arbor Point United Methodist Church as a congregation, as we do that, if we invest ourselves, then the return will be great. But if we don't invest ourselves, the return won't happen. If there's no commitment to this, if there's no commitment to your journey, change won't come. Don't be shocked by that. That's just truth. But if you do commit to following where it is that God is leading, then transformation cannot help but come. Because just like the woman at the well, when you encounter the living Christ, you cannot help but be changed. It's who he is. You know, most of us want contentment, right? We want to feel okay in our life. That's part of what we pursue. And yet, psychologists tell us that in our world today, we are more unsatisfied than we've ever been. A lot of that is because we have this tendency to compare ourselves to others, right? But it's been going on a long time. John D. Rockefeller back in 1928. His net worth was estimated at $995 million in 1928. That's like $6.5 billion now. And he was asked a question, how much money is enough? Some of you know his response, right? Just a little bit more is enough. Just a little bit more and I'll be okay, right? Just another degree and I'll be okay. Just a better car, and I'll be a, just a better house, just a better job, just a better wife. Mm. <laughs> just a better husband. Mm. And I'll just a better, and you can fill in the blank, right? Just, if, if I just had this, whatever this is, then I would be okay. No, you won't. No, you won't. We are created in the image of God with, to be in relationship with God, and that is where you're going to find this contentment that you seek. You will not find it in stuff, and, you, and you're going you know, to pursue it. There's nothing wrong with stuff. It's just if that's our pursuit, if that's our focus, money is okay. The love of money is devastating to us as people. 
because it takes priority from us. It removes God from the equation, and instead of seeking God, instead of using Scripture as our foundation as we walk along our journey to, to be like Jesus, instead of doing that, we're pursuing something else, so we're not on that path, we're on another path. I want a better job. I'm going to chase money. I'm going to do whatever I can to be a success in the sight of the world, and I will be destroyed in the process. But I don't care, because I'll look good. People will look up to me. They're going to like me. Keeping up with the Joneses is not, not the target. Keeping up with the Joneses is not the target. John Wesley had a great thing about money. He said, make all you can, save all you can, so you can give all you can. So don't hear that I'm anti-money, because I'm not. Make all your money you can, and then use it to make a difference in people's lives in the name of Jesus Christ. That's the deal. That's the deal. We have a deep thirst within us. Everybody in this room, we have a deep thirst thirst within us for the things of God. Are we willing? Are we willing to pursue that thirst? As long as we keep trying to find other things that satisfy that thirst, we're going to fall short. But if we're willing to do that, we're going we're to experience the kingdom of God in our lives, the kingdom of God spreading into the lives of others. That's what you did today, Noah. You're bringing that. That's the deal. That's what we do. So we need to quit running so fast. Slow down for a minute. Grab hold of the realization that we need God. We need those refreshing living water that comes from Christ. That's the first priming of the pump is a recognition, regardless of where we are, we need living water in order to live fully for him. But it doesn't end there, because the second priming of the pump is to realize that God loves you. Not just us and him, it's him and us. God loves you, cares for you. Out of Isaiah 43, when you go through deep waters and great troubles, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. You may feel like you're drowning. That's Mike. That's not Isaiah. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. For I am the Lord, your God, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Isaiah 43, 2 through 5. To know this, though, we got to be something like Peter. Remember when he stepped out of the boat and he started walking on the water? I can picture Peter doing this. Hi, I'm walking on the water. <laughs> you guys aren't walking on the water. You guys are scared to get out of the boat, but I'm on the water. Uh-oh. Help, help! Because Peter was a bit impulsive, a bit rash. We need to be a bit like Peter, though. We need to be willing to step out Unsure of the footing, keep our eye on the cross and walk forward. That's where he is. That's where he wants us. 
wants to bring us to a new place. That new place doesn't stay by staying in the boat. You know, the boat might not be going where Jesus is going. We need to go where Jesus is going, even if it means walking on water. Because that's who our miracle-working God is. And the great news is that even when we mess up and we look away like Peter did, Jesus will be there. Bam! I'm with you. I want to see if you, you, know, if you realize that it was me keeping you on the water, so I kind of let you sink a little bit. He's with you. He's with you in it. Right now, where you are, he's with you, walking with you. And we can have expectations. There's nothing wrong with having expectations, and we can have great expectations for what happens through this process. Think about this group, us coming together in study, in prayer, in worship, learning about the things of God together. You can have great expectations that God is going to be a part of that, because God is going to be a part of that. And he is absolutely committed to you. And God expects a commitment from us that is real, not surfacy, not just what you say, not one that just looks good on the outside. He expects a commitment from us. And that's what this is all about for the next six weeks. It's about a commitment time. See, we can fool some of the people all of the time, all the people some of the time, and God never. I know that's not how it's supposed to go, but we don't fool God. We don't surprise God. I, I know sometimes we go, oh, I bet God's really surprised. No. No. God probably shook his head when you're doing it, going, that ain't going to work out very good. But it didn't surprise him. Because he meets us in the place where we are, and he loves us so much, he gives us the freedom. He parents us. And lets us, as his children, make mistakes, just like you do with your kids. They grow and they make mistakes. We hope they don't make the super big ones. Commitment is about establishing priorities. We're going to look at priorities in our life, uh, making the kingdom of God our primary concern. I'm really pushing for this because if we're not faithful in the small things, then we won't be faithful in the big things out of Luke, I'm anticipating a movement of God in this place that is big. I mean, I had no idea Minty could actually pull off what she said she could. Oh. <laughs> what she drew, what she said, this is my concept. And then it became that, and I'm like, I don't even know how that happened. You hear that up here from some of these guys. That's not these, and, and hear me, Minty is Using the gifts that God gave her. Rick, Mike, Van, Larry, Hannah, they're using the gifts that God gave them to glorify him. God gave you gifts. What are they? How can you use them to glorify him? Will you commit to doing that? We're going to learn that through this next uh, six weeks. Are you willing to get deeper into the waters with God? Are you willing to do that? I hope so. There's a blessing. It's from an African preacher. And he wrote this, and I can't really do it justice, but it's my heart. 
It's a proclamation, really, about his faith. It goes like this. I am a Christian. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I will not let up, look back, slow down, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense, and my future is secure. I'm finished. I'm totally done with low living, small planning, smooth knees, mundane talking, chintzy giving, and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position or promotion or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or top or recognized or praised or rewarded. My pace is set. My goal is sure. The road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few. But my God is reliable and my mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, delayed, or deluded. I will not flinch in the face of adversity. I won't negotiate at the table of the enemy, meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't do that. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ, I'm a disciple of his. He is my Savior. And I'll go until he comes, give until I drop, speak all I know of him, and work until he stops me. And when he comes again, He'll know who I am because my colors are clear. Are your colors clear? Do you love Jesus the Christ, the Savior of your heart, your soul, and who gives you eternity? Do you love him? Will you serve him? Will you give your life to him and follow him where he leads you, using the gifts that you have? You have gifts. He opens doors into what is possible out of the place of impossibility because that is who our Savior and our God is. 